Well, good morning, Community Church. Are we ready to worship the Lord this morning? I sense an anticipation in the room. Can you feel that? There's an anticipation of what God wants to do today in this house. Why don't we rise to our feet right now? Let's stretch our hands up to God. Let's begin to welcome him in this room. Those of you watching online, we welcome you to Spruce Grove Community Church online service. Our prayer is that God will touch you right where you're at today. But Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come into this room right now. We ask that you would come, that you would fill the hearts. God, that you would begin to shift our minds, shift our attention. Father, all the things that weigh us down, the hardships we've experienced even right now, God, we pray that that would just begin to fall off us in Jesus' name. Just fall off us right now in Jesus' name. And there is already healing available in the room. There is freedom available in the room. There is deliverance available in the room. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way. We choose to honor you. We choose to worship you. We choose to give you all our praise today. Can we do that today? Can we give him everything? All right, let's honor him in worship this morning. How many of us believe that God knows what he's doing? How many of us believe that? You know, we were declaring a song that he is the God who doesn't disappoint. Yet in the room you could feel at that moment, there was a lot of disappointment. Some who were saying, you know what, yes, I have been disappointed. Things have not turned out how I thought they should. Something needs to shift. Something needs to change. Because I've been a little bit disappointed. Has anybody been disappointed? That's all of us. You know, I went out hunting this past week. And I went with my stepdad. And sometimes my stepdad likes to go on these journeys that sometimes don't make sense to me. He'll say, I remember this place I went to about 15 or 20 years ago. And if we find this place, this is where all the animals are going to be. And so my stepdad will get on this journey and he'll start driving and driving. Two hours later, I'm thinking to myself, he has no clue what he's doing. And I don't have the heart to tell him that we're lost. And he'll drive and he'll drive because a part of my stepdad is so stubborn that he will not stop until he finds this place. And so he drove some more and some more and almost three hours went by and I said to him, do you really think we're going to find this place? And within two seconds he goes, it's right there. He finds this little tiny cut line and says, I'm going to park the truck right here. If we go down there, it's going to open up 
and it's going to blow your mind away what we're going to see. So sure enough, three hours later, we find this cut line, and we walk down it. And it's exactly what he said. See, we're all on a journey. And that journey is not over. That disappointment that may be right there may be gone by the end of today's service. It may be gone by next week. Because the one thing that we cannot do is lose hope and not trust in our God. We've all declared that he knows what he's doing. He is the God who's created the heavens and the earth. The sea, the thunder, he's created all things. Let me tell you something. In the midst of your journey, he knows exactly what he's doing. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. For the next 30 seconds, a minute, we'll see what comes out here. I want us to bless him for where we're at in our journey. Because right where we're at right now, let me tell you something. It's exactly where you need to be. Because he's doing something. He's shifting something. He's changing something. He's working on your heart. He's building your faith. He's at work right now. He's removing that disappointment. He's removing that hurt. He's removing that pain. That's who he is. That's what he does. So if you're feeling, I feel that disappointment, what we need to do is rise up for the next minute and honor him, call on him, worship him, return to him, because he is the answer. He is the solution. The journey is not over. So stay on the path with him. Keep going with him. So just right now, I want you to make a commitment in your heart. That commitment is this, is I'm not going to let disappointment win. I'm not going to let disappointment shut me down. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to continue to pursue him. I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to stand. I'm going to continue to believe. I'm going to continue to have faith. So right now in your heart, choose to come in alignment with that and say no to that disappointment. So disappointment, we say this, you have no place in our hearts. And we command you to leave in Jesus' name. Be gone. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Well, we're going to shift. We've got a guest speaker with us today, and he told me he wants a lot of time. So we're going to give him that time. Today we got Pastor Archie Benny. Uh, Don't look at me, Sarah. I'm going to get emotional here, right? His daughter over here and son-in-law and his other uh, nephew right here, right? Or grandson, sorry. My bad. This man here, let me just say this. Uh, when it all started for me when I was 17 years old, uh, he chose to be there. He chose to disciple me. He chose to walk with me. And I will just say this is a father to me in the faith. Uh, when I am struggling with life, I will find Archie Benny. And I will go have a coffee with Archie Benny. Uh, out of people I respect, this man is on that top of that list. I could keep going. Let's just welcome Archie Benny. I love you, Archie. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. Okay, you can sit down. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've been here. <laughs> On a Sunday, anyways. Uh, I like to start off with something a little bit funny. So, uh, uh, your son, uh, Chris, Pastor Chris's son, is Kalen. So, I don't know where Jennifer got that name, but. Uh, so it was supposed to be Colin, and now it's Kalen. So I know. But uh, <clears throat> uh, Pastor K- uh, Chris and uh, Kalen were going for a walk when Kalen was about 13 years old. And uh, Kalen says to uh, Chris, he says, Dad, did you know that in other, cri- uh, in other countries, you don't know who your wife is until you get married? And Chris softly spoke to him, and he said, It's like that everywhere, son. <laughs> Uh, sometimes when I get up at, at Lighthouse, uh, they start groaning before I start. <laughs> but I'd like to uh, uh, say a few things. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not very conventional, really, so I'm going to do a few things backwards here today. I'm going to introduce myself, but I'm going to act. Be, I got a word, church, and uh, it's... Uh, I got some words uh, this week. I, Chris phoned and asked me to come, and I said yes, and then uh, I started getting downloads. I think Thursday night I was awake most of the night, but about 5 in the morning I started getting some more stuff. And uh, anyway, so i just going to... Uh, anybody here never heard of me before? Yeah, there's a few guys at the back there, so that's good. Uh, you know, if we're not friends now, give me five minutes with you. You know, right? Yeah. Uh, I just want to say a little bit about, uh, I met Pastor Chris when he was about uh, 16 years old. He wasn't a pastor then. Uh, so uh, our family moved west of uh, Edmonton to uh, Keep Hills area in Stony Plain. I worked on a ranch there. That was in 1986. But by 1987, uh, we had started attending uh, uh, Lighthouse Church as a family on a regular basis. I have two girls, one girl. What? What did I say? Oh, community, yeah, I get it a little mixed up, you know. It's my age now, right? <laughs> so she should have been sitting by us, right? <laughs> yeah, that's Sarah, my daughter. How many know Sarah? Everyone knows Sarah. She was, uh, Sarah and Ryan got married here in this place, yeah. And uh, so uh, when we got here, I, I've been leading a new, I started leading a new life class right away. I wasn't here very long, and that's because uh, uh, the church that we came from, we were at Evangel, the, the pastor called Doug Lynn and said that I had done a new life class there. And uh, so that was in, in uh, probably closer to, uh, well, it was 86, 80, 88. But by uh, 89, I'd become an elder under Keith Ganyu. So Keith Ganyu asked me if I'd be an elder here, and I told him I was too young. And because uh, I've seen that at Evangel had elders, but they're all older guys. <laughs> but within six months, I was uh, leading the youth uh, group here, and uh, and I did it for uh, six months, about six months. You remember that, yeah? Landon was a part of it all then, right? Remember, you know, we're going to do some down history, down the lane of history, you know. Uh, but then as uh, Keith Ganyu, remember Keith Ganyu's jokes? <laughs> remember when he did, uh, uh, 
Cinderella. Rendersella. Yeah, there you go, Jim. Yeah. So remember Jim's Christmas one, you know, he was going to Balzac. Oh, my God. You got to ask him about it later. Maybe I'll do it for you. But as uh, uh, Keith uh, Ganyu left, they asked me to be uh, head of the pulpit search, and I was the head of the pulpit search twice here. And uh, that was quite an experience. Uh, There's stories in all of that. Uh, But then uh, Pastor Ken Sobrecken was the associate, and then he was interim for quite a while before he became the pastor. And that's where I learned uh, a little bit more about being in the prophetic realm. I realized when Keith Ganyu was here that he would ask me to come at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning to pray with him. The altar was a little different then. There was steps, sort of, steps were all around, weren't they? And uh, he, would, he would kneel here. There was a bigger podium. He would kneel here and, uh, well, I'll skip that part. Uh, but he, he, he would kneel here, and he'd be, he'd be crying, he'd be praying, and I would come in, and I'd be really quiet, and I'd just sit in the front row, and then I'd come and kneel beside him and pray. And uh, so I, I used to think that was uh, a little different, but I was learning something. But when Keith would get up to speak, uh, I would already have had his scripture. I'd have that scripture in the middle of the week, I, I would know that it was his, I just know that this verse was coming to me. I didn't know he was going to preach from that. that. That's really sort of when I started to recognize that uh, there was some kind of prophetic anointing. My dad had one too. Now, dad, if I was up in trouble or something, dad would ask me what I was doing on Friday night because the Lord would tell him, right? Um, but uh, it's Remembrance Day, so let me decide, segue a little bit to my dad. My dad was in the Second World War. And uh, and so Lighthouse, uh, Lighthouse, well, Lighthouse too, but I've had a journey of healing, really, ever since I, I came to Alberta. And uh, my dad was uh, in the Second World War, and uh, my sister told me that I was born mouthy. And, you know, military guys don't handle that very well. And so there was a lot of violence uh, in our home. Dad got saved when I was about five, and I think that's when PTSD broke on him uh, to some level, uh, except for me, the, the violence was still there. I have a sister that's quite a bit younger. She thinks we've got two different dads because, you know, he, she treated, well, actually I found out the rest of the family, uh, I was the one that got the brunt of whatever it was that happened to him during the war. So we need to really establish in our hearts that the situation that we're in today, and I'm going to speak a little bit about that, we need to fight for our freedoms like never before, but we've got to fight for our freedoms on our knees. And that's the only way that it's really going to come into our nation. And, we, and let me, I'm going to be preaching before I'm finished here. So, so uh, Pastor uh, Ken was here too. So I got an inkling that I was, uh, I was knowing what the pastor was going to, Pastor Ganya was going to speak. But when Pastor Ken came, we used to sit on the platform. Remember that? We used to sit on the platform. And, uh, but Pastor Ken, the doors were, there's a really bright light up there somewhere. That one there. What's that one? The doors, there was double doors. Was it the same doors? Yeah, they were back there, yeah. So, uh. Pastor Ken would say to me, see that couple coming in? The Lord's got a word for that couple. You see that lady coming in? One Sunday, there was five different people came in, and he gave a word to five different people. And so he would say to me, 
uh, do you see the light on them? Light. Well, there's a light there. I don't, I don't see the light on them. But uh, that's the way that, uh, that he saw it. But then you know what it was? I couldn't take my eyes off them. So then they were highlighted in the congregation. So I started to see uh, what he was saying. You know, it's, it's, you know it's, not, it's not visible seeing, it's, but it is a seeing, right? There's some kind of way that you see what God is doing. And so uh, uh, Ken Sobrakin actually really helped me along. And then when I, I left, uh, no, I didn't leave here. Uh, I went to Marketplace Chapel in the transition of him being become senior pastor. I went to Marketplace Chapel. He blessed me and prayed for me over here somewhere. And I went to Marketplace Chapel. And when I came to Lighthouse Church, he came and prayed for me there again. And when I retired a year ago, September, or tried to, I haven't really yet, but uh, uh, he came and, pr- and prayed and blessed us at our retirement thing again. So what I, I'm, going, I'm building a, a story here for a reason. Uh, then, uh, 1997, uh, Pastor Bob Johnson asked me to come to be an associate pastor, and I was here for two and a half years. And then in November 99, I walked out of an elders' meeting, and I, have, I didn't come back for years. And it wasn't because of uh, bitterness or unforgiveness. It's about a justice issue. And really, uh, I think there's only about two people There might be more, but it's only about two people that really know the story, and Chris is one of them. And uh, so we've had a good connection all these years, all with Chris's, you know, going to Africa, coming back, Chris's dad things, all different things. We've had a good connection. We would go to Sandy View and have uh, uh, breakfast or lunch there uh, over the years. So Chris and I stayed connected over all these years, and... uh, uh, Anyways, uh, Pastor Mark invited me to come to uh, community church here a number of times, and I didn't come. I didn't come because I felt there was something not right, in my, something not right for me to come, so I couldn't come. I felt a check in my spirit. I didn't have a release to come, and uh, we talked about it a bit last year, so I, it took me a year to get here, I guess. I don't know. Chris forgot. I don't know. But uh, the truth is, it's a miracle from God that I'm even in the ministry. My upbringing uh, influenced me a lot. And I saw a picture uh, just uh, yesterday, was yesterday. Bess brought me a picture. Uh, Bess not here today. She's not feeling well. She's struggling with uh, memory loss. Uh, uh, she gets into old pictures. That's what people do with memory loss. And uh, she came with a a picture of me standing with Lisa. Our old, Lisa is our oldest daughter. So Lisa was looking at the picture. Lisa would be about six months old. And I looked just like Andrew. And I had this funny look, you know. And uh, uh, so, you know, people can see the resemblance here. He's my grandson, not my son. But anyways, uh, so people see that uh, on us all the time. But the truth is that... Uh, it's a miracle that I'm in ministry. If God could call me into ministry, when I was on the farm in uh, Keep Hills, I heard the voice of the Lord out of Isaiah 55 call me. And he said he was going. I was checking calves that morning, and uh, and he said he's going to take me from the pasture to the pulpit. I said, God, you got to be kidding. You, know, I was here one time, since then, and it was at Ev Schwartz's funeral. 
and they asked me to read Psalm 91 because I didn't read very well. I said, God, I don't read and write. How can you call me to ministry? I can't spell very well. And uh, self-diagnosis has some kind of dyslexia, I guess. And I had it all my life. Just to give you a little tip on, on my life in school, I got the strap in kindergarten right through to grade 8, 28, uh, 28 different times in grade 3. But in grade 3, I wasn't the worst kid in the class. My partner in crime got it 32 times. They outlawed it in grade 9 and got it in grade 10. <laughs> then they started doing detentions in grade 9. And I thought, these are dumb. This is not even punishment. Uh, we had a bunch of us in a classroom. I walked out. Let's go home. This is crazy. You know, why do I want to write down 500 times, you know, that I won't do this or that because it doesn't make sense anyways. <laughs> Wasn't real punishment, right? So when God called me to ministry, I had lots of learning to do, lots of, tr- lots of equipping to do. Uh, Denine Shiwi led a, um, led a class. I'm a little bit off topic, but led a class in the fellowship hall for Elijah House training, so I am a facilitator with Elijah House, and there's lots of healing for me there. There's lots of healing for me at the chapel, and there's a, there's a continual process of healing, even in the ministry. You can be a pastor, you still got you still got triggers, you still got issues uh, that you need to deal with, and uh, uh, so God called me into ministry, and as we left left here, we went to. The Lord told me not to change my address. So we went to uh, Stony Plain, and we got involved in, in, um, in Lighthouse Church there. But when Pastor Ken was the pastor here, David Gordon Brown and I and Pastor Ken met Ray Crocker, and we visited with Ray and realized that we could lose 60 people. We came back and looked at our church directory, and we said all these people live west of Boundary Road. And uh, we could lose 60 people, and we agreed we could lo- afford to lose 60 people to plant another church. There's a reason I'm saying all this stuff. And then uh, a number of years later, then, I end up being the pastor at uh, Lighthouse Church. Still had lots of growing as a pastor. I started supervising men at 23 years old. And so when you come from a construction mining background, it's a little rough. You don't want to do the job, go home. So I did fire staff. Once, and or at least, well, let's not go down there. <laughs> and I had board members that didn't agree with who I was. I wasn't Ray Crocker. I didn't play a guitar. I didn't sing. I didn't have a sound system, and I didn't have a tent. I said, I'm not Ray Crocker. I'm totally different. And so if God's called me here, which I knew then, <clears throat> by then the definite call of God, if God's called me here, then uh, I got to fulfill the call of God that's on my life to lead this house. And so I had a board member come one time, vote a board then. I don't think you guys got a vote a board here either. You changed to pastor's council? Good. So uh, Lauren McAllister came, and we had a couple guys leave the board. But one guy said that he wanted a congregational meeting at least once a month to decide on how to spend every $1,000. I said, it's not going to happen. And uh, so he didn't like that very much. I said, no, it's not going to happen. I said, uh, uh, you decide what you're going to do, but I'm not going anywhere. So he resigned three days later. He was a really good guy, man of prayer, man of miracles, 
but he had this governmental mindset that was different than mine. And so how can I function like that? We'll just get tangled up. So the truth is, a, a little bit blunt, but the, but the truth is the call of God was still resting on my life, and I knew that I wanted to follow and pursue uh, the inner healing principles, and I, I knew that God still needed to heal me. I went, to, I went for counseling. I went for help. If I blew up at somebody, I went for help. I had, I had to go for help. And so uh, uh, God has been still working in my heart. Now, I've totally forgiven my dad and my school teachers. That's true. It really is. If my dad was here this morning, he'd love this service because he loved the anointing and the call of God on his life, too. But he was trying to figure it out. And we didn't have that structure in the Pentecost uh, before 1990s. Like, when I started doing pastoral counseling, they didn't even like that word at, at, in the early 90s. They, they wanted to call me a, a chaplain. They didn't, want to, they didn't want me to say that there was a need for counseling, but there was a need for counseling. There's a need for discipleship. There's a need for healing. There's a need uh, for maturity. There's a need for us to grow up. So... I just said earlier that uh, I had some words, and I got a word for uh, this house, and I love Pastor uh, Chris and Jen. I didn't ask Chris, I asked Jen, Um, but uh, I'm going to say this first, but when uh, we had a lot of staff changes at Lighthouse in the last few years. And uh, that was really hard on me. And uh, I fasted 40 days on water. And I had dreams every single night. And uh, I wrote them down. There's two days I couldn't write them down, but I knew God still deposited something in me. And, uh, but I wanted a, a, a transition, a pastoral transition. And so I think it was about uh, 2006 I got this idea and nobody agreed with me. I said, I want someone to come and follow me that I can be friends with. I, I don't want to have to leave the church. We had a crazy mindset in, in our structure that if you, if you resign the church, get out of town. Why? Because I'm going to be a threat? Well, if that's the wrong guy's in place then. If I'm going to threaten, I actually, I did threaten. I, I do threaten some people, I guess. I don't know. But we've got to find people that you're not a threat to. <clears throat> How insecure is that? That's an insecurity really there. So then I went down this process saying, Lord, I, I want to do this transition. So I started with, uh, uh, it's no secret, I guess. It's, I started with uh, Chuck and Rianne, uh, Rianne Gasper. And uh, she's a... Uh, she's, her mom's black and her dad's East Indian. He still lives in the area and we can still connect. But, uh, uh, you know, that didn't work. So then I, I got thinking, Lord, I got to find somebody that's, that's, that's going to help in this. And for some reason, I couldn't get away from it. Some people said, just resign and leave, take, leave town. I thought, it's crazy. You know, obsessed the church. I saw enough change here at Community Church when we had pastoral transitions. Uh, you can, I mean, they, lots of change, right? And it was hard. It's hard on everybody. And, uh, and it's hard spiritually. And some people take a while, it takes a while for some people to get over it. So anyways, uh, I thought of Chris and Jen. I told Jen I wanted to say it. Jim's there. He knows. And uh, so the reason was is because I see the call of God that's on Chris, 
I've watched it all my life, right? And here's Jen. Look, she's a musician. She's a counselor. I mean, all this stuff that, that I love, I mean, that, that's just going to flow. That can blend together. Chris and I are for lunch one day, or I forget where we were, but this came up. I didn't start it. Chris did. And I said, Chris, uh, I want to talk to you. I phoned Mark three times now, and uh, he's away somewhere. Is Wendy here? Where's Wendy? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I said, I, I wasn't going to talk to Chris until I talked to Mark. See, that's just honor. That's respect, right? When we had Clara come, we knew her pastor. She was a kid living beside us, and I knew some of her gifts and talents. And, and so someone said to me, why don't you ask Clara? So I wouldn't even talk to Clara until I talked to her pastor. But how many times we did it? On pulpit search, we went to Vancouver one time. I don't know who was on the board then, but we went to Vancouver one time. Where's it, Fraserview? And snuck into a service and listened to the preacher preach, and then we wanted to have a meeting with him after the service, right? Scoop him. <laughs> Didn't work. It's not honor. And so... Uh, 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 so I said, Chris, we've we got to go right to the church now. We've got to find Mark. And when we drove in, Mark drove in, drove in at the same time. And we were start talking in the parking lot. And uh, Mark said, uh, just better make sure it's God. Chris wanted a year. That was a long year. And uh, they had some commitments. And then he said, I think you better look for somebody else. And we had three or four different options that were totally different. Just, they were okay, but they were different. And then we got Jen's name, uh, who's there now, Jen Mitchell. And that has turned out to be absolutely amazing. She, you know, you know, Christian Jen been in Uganda, and she's a Ugandan. Her parents were kings in the northern part. She was captured, a real quick story here, she was captured by rebels. And uh, you got to have her come and tell her story sometime. She's actually really fine-tuning it lately. It's just it's so dramatic. Last Sunday night, she just blew us away in a, in a class we had. Uh, but the truth is that uh, she was captured at nine years old in a rebel camp, given a machine gun, had to look after 36. There was 36 girls in her group. And after a year and a half or so, uh, she knew they were going to be sold into southern Sudan. But I tell you, she's seen some atrocities. I'm not going to say what it is because it's, we're on uh, live here now. But she, she's seen some atrocities. And so, the, so she led them out of the camp in, in the nighttime, and four lived out of 36. It's a dramatic story. Uh, I think World Vision found her. But you, she's got a healing story. Oh, she'd been in the church 10 years. I didn't know all this stuff about her right under our nose. And here she is. And Chris said that, he, Chris told me he saw a, a woman pre, uh, pastoring in our church. She, uh, he saw white and she's black, but uh, that doesn't matter. See, we're changing a dynamic here right now. And so we got a woman pastor and her husband is Cam. And so, you know, I got a little mixed up, you know, uh, uh, Chris and Jen, you know, and we got Jen and Cam, you know. <laughs> close. They should be friends. 
But the, but the truth is that God is doing something new in this day. There's God is doing something. He's changing our paradigms. He's changing what we got to do. There's so much happening in the world today. The church is not going to look the same. Uh, I, I believe that we got tied into a, a governmental structure uh, that's, uh, that's based on democracy, and that's, that democracy uh, might be okay for a country, might be better than communism, but democracy doesn't really work in the church because if Moses had a democracy, they'd still be in Egypt. So we, when are we going to lose? Look at what's happening right now. I just read an article this week that, uh, where there and it was one by one of the mainstream Globe Mail, I think, talking about the, losing our charitable status. That you know, Justin Trudeau hasn't said he's going to take our charitable status, but he'll take our charitable status from uh, from the pro-life groups. And so then, right under that, Globe and Mail is saying he's looking at the churches. So what happens if we lose our charitable status? What if we got to pay taxes on our buildings? You know, we'd have to pay about 30000 a year on our building there. That's a salary. So God's going to do something now. And look what's happening in our, since COVID has happened. There's, there's uh, shop churches, and I can, I can tell you where they are, a few of them anyways, where there's shop churches, where there's 25 and there's 50 people in a shop, 30. We were in one uh, a while ago, too, and, and God did an amazing thing. It was in, well, November, I guess, this past November, and there was about 30 people there. Now they, they're moving into a commercial building. And then there's other groups that are meeting in commercial buildings, so God is doing something in the world today, and I want to say that I'm a product of community church. Our family is a product of community church. Lighthouse is a product of community church. I'm going somewhere with this, and so I want to say something about Pastor Chris here now. Pastor Chris is a, a, a real called-out, gifted pastor. He's a pastor. He is, and he loves this church, and he loves this city. He loves the lost. Uh, he loves the family of God. He loves his wife. He loves his kids, and he loves me. Whoa. <laughs> Just come up and give me another hug, Chris. <laughs> but you have another leader in this church, Mark Breesbaugh. And I love your apostle, pastor, prophet, Mark. Mark and Wendy. Mark's a real prophetic voice in this church, in our nation, and many places around the world. I've always tried to figure out how in the world did he even run a church, you know. (laughs) I'd have to have two more administrators. But Mark called me a month or so ago, and uh, he asked how I'm doing. He asked how Bess is doing. He didn't talk about church He didn't talk about prophetic. He didn't talk about COVID. He didn't talk about anything else other than how are we doing. He told me his stories, and that was it. When I hung up, I just felt really blessed that uh, Mark would call me and and, uh, just have a one-on-one chat. We've had chats. We've, we've been in the same places many times. We've got a lot of the same friends in the ministry, all that. But uh, Mark was just caring. And uh, so I just want to say it now live on camera that I really appreciate Mark. I, I love the call of God on his life. I just admire his teaching ability. It's, just, it's incredible. And you know what I really find interesting? I told you about uh, Keith Ganyu. I've got the same scriptures that Mark has got, I haven't told anybody this, uh, 
Now I'm telling everybody. <laughs> but I would get the same scriptures about what's happening in the world today, and he'd, he'd have the same one. I'd hear, I, I watch him online. Oh, man, that's cool. I got confirmation there. I can preach it too now. But I, I went for months from March uh, at 20. I don't know if I'll, what time? Where's that? No clock here. Oh, that's big enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to transition a little bit into that because I'm still going to go with some of the stuff that I feel for this church. Um, there's a prophetic voice that's activated in this church and has been there for years. Actually, in November 99. Uh, Bob Jones was here. Who was here in that service? Oh, wow, look at the people. And uh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, Dennis uh, Weedrick. You know, I didn't see Dennis Weedrick from that time. No, I did once before. Um, I'm, I'm, I didn't finish that other story, did I? How prophetic are you anyways? <laughs> I said that I was here once before. So they asked me to read Psalm uh, 91 at Ev Schwartz's funeral. I'd never read a whole, any more than one verse in front of anybody uh, because I'd memorized it so that I could pretend I was reading it. I read the whole chapter in front of everybody. One guy said he's going to pray for me, and he said I made a grammar mistake. I said, a grammar mistake? What's that? <laughs> So, so you, I'm just saying that for me to be in ministry is a miracle. And so the prophetic voice is activated in this church. And when we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he can take anybody from anywhere and get them into the place that he wants them. And it might take a few twists and turns to get you there, but he'll get you there, right? And if you're called, you know you're called. And, and if you're not called and you want to get into that position, then you're, it's going to be very difficult and probably will never work anyways. And the other thing that I see that in leadership, I've already been talking about leadership, is that when we get people that are striving for position and recognition, we've got to put our finger on it and say there's counseling for that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to get rid of the competition and the striving, and there was a lot of competition and striving uh, back there in 99 even. And so uh, Bob Jones was here. I'm sitting on the front row. Remember Bob? Remember Ken? Uh, he'd walk like this, you know. And, uh, and then his wife, you would laugh at it, his wife was always hooking my arm, you know, and I would, and I would lead her around. But uh, uh, Bob Jones gave me a prophetic word that night, and I knew I was done. Remember that? It's just here. Um, and then uh, Harold Shewe died that night, and we did the funeral about a week later. And, uh, and so I'm just saying that, that God wants to call a lot of you into ministry. And I'll tell you why. Because I really believe there's a prophetic anointing on this house. I believe that there's an apostolic anointing on this house. And I believe that, uh, uh, that these gifts morph in a little bit too. There's a prophetic anointing on my life. But I started to see that I have a seer gift. So what that means is that I see it early. And it might not be... Uh, it might be the day before, it might be the week before, the month before, but I will wait until the circumstances line up until I see it actually uh, before my eyes. I come into a church service uh, at Lighthouse one time, and I, I looked uh, beside the sound booth, and there was in the last row, there was a lady sitting in the last row, 
but I knew the lady sitting in front of her. So I saw the lady sitting in front of her, but I couldn't recognize the person behind her. So I get up in announcement time, and there's nobody back there. Oh, I thought, oh, I missed that. Then when I got up to speak, that, that, that person, there was someone sitting there, one person. And I thought, oh, Lord, good thing you didn't show that to me. I didn't want to give her a word. She was the kind of person that, to me, was a little bit agitating. And so I didn't want to give her a word. But the Lord showed me exactly what I was supposed to say for her. So I released the word, and it, it was just impacted her. Now, the people get a word from the Lord, but they got to walk with the word. Yeah. They got to recognize the call of God on their lives. They got to step into the call of God. They got to step into the word that's being delivered. And so they can, they can receive it or they can reject it. And they can go their own way. And that might come around years later. And I, we've had other experiences where people, uh, you know, crashed and bad. And it was 15 years later before there was any sign of them coming back or the family. The family was kind of wrecked over that one. But the truth is that there's a call of God that's on this house. And there's no disappointment that God cannot heal, that God not, cannot bring you through. And he can bring you with revelation. He can bring you with insight. He can bring you with understanding so that he, he has divine plan and purpose for every single life that's in this house. And he's got a, a call on this church. He's got a, there's a significant call of God on this church. And so the truth is that uh, uh, I had a, uh, a word for Kalen too. I'm going to give it to him later. Uh, but in this church, I saw... Uh, I had a vision that was on Thursday uh, night about 5 in the morning. I saw a vision of the building from uh, first from the road. Then I was somewhere up in the air looking down sort of from behind. And I had, a, I had a view towards the road, but I was up quite high. And what I saw was flames, multiple flames. They were individual flames. But these flames were coming right through the roof of the building. And there, it, was a, it was like a... It was a... Um, kind of an arch but it was a it was like flags that went straight up and and they were waving this way there's lots of flags here today but the flag was waving this way towards the road and uh, and so I I said Lord what is that and when I looked into the flames I could see words in the flames and one of the main words in many of the in many of the flames was love and so the power of love was, was in this. There was a passion. There was a, there was a passion of love. There was a passion of fire. There was a passion of uh, uh, love. And I started to realize it's, it's what's on Pastor Chris. It's the love of God that, that's on Chris for, uh, uh, for the body of believers, for this community. Uh, the love of God that's on him for family and for connection and for uh, relationship. It's the power of God. And it's not going to change. I said, I'm not Ray and uh, Chris is not Mark. But he's, they're working together. There's a union. There's a commonality here. Uh, there's an honoring. There's a respect for one another. And the power of God's going to be released over this community. But I also see that God wants to do something with this, uh, with this body of believers. And as, as the Spirit of God it rests on, on Chris and it becomes evident to everybody uh, what the call of God is on him, it's going to flow into the body of believers. It's going to rest on you. It's going to fall on you. And you're going you're to be motivated by it. And you know, you can't embrace everybody. So the people that will come here are the people that connect with the call of God that's on Chris's life. The worship team that's here is because they connected with Pastor Ken. 
right? And so there's a, there's a commonality here. And so there's a, there's a voice here. There's a sound here. There's a musical sound here. And here's what I see. I see that God wants to uh, do something with this congregation. And uh, he wants to uh, not only transfer uh, the anointing that's in the leaders here into the people here, but he wants to do it into the community. He wants to move it into the community. And I see the apostolic call uh, that's on this house. And so in the early days, they, put a, they tried planting a church in Onaway. There's no Pentecostal church up there right now. But you got gifts, you got talents, you got leaders, you got maturity here. And the call of God that's resting on this house is to be an apostolic center. And whatever that means, uh, an apostolic center means that we're going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Lighthouse Church was already equipping me for what God was calling me to, uh, to do. And there's people that are in this room right now that God has got a call on your life. And there's a purpose on your life. And, it, and so uh, you're being equipped now. But maybe you're not supposed to stay here. Come on now. Let's shatter the, the pirate paradigm. Maybe you're supposed to uh, uh, satellite some churches. You know, you got, you got the stuff here. You got the cameras. You got everything. You know, we had, you know, iPhones stuck on a little stick. <laughs> if Jen wasn't there, I don't know if I'd have pulled that off. But you can have satellites all over. You can, you can take your DNA and find, and find out who you can, it's imparted into, and not just the DNA, but who's got a similar call, a similar passion, a fi- similar vision of outreach and connection, and then take it. How many churches should we have in, in uh, Spruce Grove anyways? Have we got 10% of the population in church this morning? Not likely. Russ Graff uh, used to be at Hope Church there. He did a demographics of, our, of Stony Plain itself, and he said uh, we can't even get close to 10% in church buildings. So what about a shop church? What if we lose our charitable status? What if we got to go smaller? What if we can maintain this and then, then have a bunch of satellite churches out there? Why can't we be another Stephen Furtick in our area? It doesn't have to be as big as Stephen. How much ministration, how much money do you need for all that anyways, right? But God wants to anoint some more businessmen for the call of God, for the call of God that's on community church. God wants to anoint some businessmen that have a passion to create some businesses that are just going to fund what God's doing here. Well, I'm getting there. Let me just, uh, I had a whole message, and then I was going to give it to the sound people to put up on the screen, and then I thought, I've got something else that's only about 10 minutes long. I just want to talk about end times, where we are right now. When I was a teenager, uh, I studied end times. If you're around in those days, I'm, I turned 70 this year. So we had charts that would go right across the church this wide of the end time theologies, you know, on big screen, uh, big paper sheets. I, I bought all the small eight and a half, eleven pages and would tape them all together. I memorized that whole thing. We were so sure we were right. I would get in arguments with people about end-time theology because I knew end-time theology. But they had a different point of view, and they didn't even agree with me. And we couldn't agree. And sometimes it was family members, and we couldn't agree. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, come on. But he did tell me in a bush camp one time in Labrador that uh, the reason that you can't discern the Scriptures is because it's not time yet. There's another time coming. There's a season coming that's different. You're going to be able to see what's happening politically in the world, and then you're going to recognize this day that you're in. And uh, so I want to uh, touch now on the whole concept of praying uh, for these end times.
But the truth is that when we pray, this is a, this is a church that prays. I could, see, I could hear it in the worship. I could hear intercession in the worship. And there's some justice uh, songs that got to be released uh, uh, for what's happening in the world today. There, you, we can pray with, our, uh, with justice in our songs, obviously. Um, and so you believe it more than any, some churches would. But the, the truth is we, we need justice right now, justice. God called Justin Trudeau to be the prime minister because his name is justice. He was supposed to bring justice, but what if he's not bringing justice? Who's going to change it? Do we hate Justin Trudeau? No, we can't afford to hate Justin Trudeau. We, can't, we don't even see or hear our prayers answered if we got hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. And so when people come and tell me they're so angry with Justin Trudeau, I'll say, have you prayed for him? And if they say, no, I walk away. I don't want to hear your story. Because we've got to be praying for our, our politicians. We've got to be praying for our nation. And we've got to pray for Jason Kenney. We've got to pray for, our, well, you know, I mean, Chris was the one that introduced me to Cyril Turton. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I've got to know the mayor of Stony Plain and the Parkland County pretty well. We've got a new one in the county now. And uh, so we've got good relationships. I would meet with them at least once a year. And because I would just say, I, don't re- I would meet Aaron O'Toole. Aaron O'Toole. No, I didn't meet Aaron O'Toole. Erin uh, Babcock, she was our MLA, right? She didn't. This one. Uh, it wasn't easy to meet her at first, let me say it that way. But when I went to meet her and told her that I just want to know who you are, I want to know about your family, I want to know who your husband and your kids are, and I want to be able to pray for you. I said, there's enough. We have some things in common. We're, in, we're concerned about uh, the homeless. We're concerned about the, uh, those that are in need in our community. And it opened up. We had some disagreements. Uh, but anyways, we can break through there. We should be the ones that break through. We should be the ones that let them know we're praying. And, and so I sent her a complimentary letter. You know, in the main, you know, 779 goes through Stony, And she's the one that pushed that through uh, to get the paving done there, you know, the road widened and all that. I sent her a letter and complimented her on it. Within less than five minutes, she responded back and thanked me. We got to find ways to say thank you. We got to say, because this is a tough, it's a tough call. I, I've been with other politicians, and the day I go for lunch with them, they say, this is the day I wish I could quit. Because some, someone stops them in the street and strips them off, strips them down one side or the other over and over and over until they had to walk away. They wouldn't even listen to a response. So we got to be praying for our politicians. And we got to pray for justice. We got to pray for righteousness to come to our land again. But how many Christians are in our country? We need a massive revival. We need, we need souls saved by the thousands to be able to change our system. And so we got to have a harvest of souls. And so God is doing something. He's changing our mindset. It's not just about us coming to church and having our holy huddle. It's, it's about reaching into our community and seeing people get saved. I think we're having a bat- water baptismal service next uh, Sunday at Lighthouse, and I think we're close to 40 this year being baptized in water. So God is doing something. God wants to do something. He wants to do something. He wants to partner us together. We're already connected. We've got to partner together. We've got to be seen as partnering together. We've got to be seen as working together. We've got, we got to lay down some of our rights in order to preach the gospel to the one here and there and everywhere until we see them getting saved by the mass. We've got to fill up our places. There should be no room for us. We've got to, I don't want multiple services, but we Raise up another pastor. Why do I want pastor after preach five times? Well, not five. One pastor I know in Calgary preaches four times on a weekend. 
and, and he's younger, way younger than me. He's like Chris's age. He feels burnt out. We, we, got, we got mindsets and attitudes that we think that are supposed to work, but raise up some more pastors. Raise. I think Brett uh, Eschlinger, who might not agree with me, but he's got a bunch of preachers around him. Right? You know Brett. We know Brett. He's, he's, he's got an anointing. The call of God's on his life. There's people that have left, but he's got a call of God on his life. And Hope Church is up there, you know. Oh, dear. I haven't even got my scripture yet. Second Chronicles 32, verses 20 and 21. I don't know if you can get them real fast or not, but uh, as I don't even have to read them. You can look them up. You put that scripture up. Uh, it's fine. But uh, King Hezekiah... Uh, he prayed to the Lord. They cried out to heaven. Actually, they prayed. They fasted one day or part of a day because the Syrian army was coming against them, Assyria, and, uh, uh, and mocking them. But then if you look at, that's in Chronicles. If you look at it in Kings, it says, And it came to pass on a certain night the angel of the Lord went out and killed the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000 of those who uh, rose early in the morning, and there were corpses. It says all dead. Corpses are usually dead. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, so Sennacherib, uh, king of Syria, departed and went home. And it came to pass that as he worshipped in the temple of Nishrod, his god, his son, can't say his name, uh, struck him down with a sword, and they escaped to Arat, and uh, someone else became in his place. Fasted for one day. The nation fasted for one day. The city of Jerusalem fasted for one day. Because there was a threat against their city. There's a threat against their nation. There's a threat against our cities. There's a threat against our nation. And are we fasting? Are we willing to fast? And are we willing to pray? And we, will we ask God to move by, his, by justice and by mercy for our nation? And so the death angel came and took 185,000 leaders. There's another passage there that says... Uh, uh, they cut down every, uh, that's in New King James, both are in New King James, one's in Chronicles. says they cut down mighty men of valor, leaders and captains in, of the camp in Syria. So the leaders were taken out. How was it that those leaders were taken out? What's, what would happen today in the culture today that we're living in? If God calls for justice uh, for Canada... We're, we don't know where someone's heart is. We'd, you know, I read uh, Justin Trudeau's book on uh, uh, Common Ground, and he, he went to, um, uh, he, Justin went to Alpha, had felt the presence of God. So why can't he have an angelic encounter, right? You know, if, if God can save ISIS leaders because they leave the violence of, of killing, I asked Jen one time, <clears throat> I said, how come they don't capture Coney? They got a million-dollar bounty on his head. She said, Pastor, it's not about <clears throat> a bounty, a million-dollar bounty. It's not about the army. She said, when the army shows up, he turns into a rat and runs into the bush. It's the church. The church needs to get, their, get on their knees before God and, and, and break the curse off the guy's life. Wow. Whoa. So Justin Trudeau could have an encounter with an angel, and so could, so could the rest of his, uh, uh, his cabinet. But what if God wants to change it all up? He can do it. He has a way of doing it. He doesn't have to kill anybody today. But he knows where, the, where people's hearts are at, 
And so I want to uh, uh, go to another. Oh, I only got a few minutes here. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter uh, two, verses nine to twelve, and it's talking about the lawless one. Let me see if I can jump ahead on that. I don't have the interpretation of that here in this page. But the lawless one, or the, or the uh, man of sin, uh, because it says uh, they do according to the working of Satan with all uh, power, signs, lying wonders, and with all uh, unrighteous deception uh, among those who perish. You could read uh, COVID into that. Uh, because they did not receive uh, uh, the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, uh, God will give them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie and that they may be condemned. And then if you go to Timothy, it says, I'm going to, that's just, it, this is research I, that I've done on COVID. And, oh, I only got, I got a ton of stuff on that. But Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 3, it says, Now James and Jambres resisted Moses. And that word resisted there means anti so they were, uh, you know, they were, they were uh, in the tribe of Israel, but they were actually anti-God, anti-call of God on Moses. They were, they were against the call of God on, on the leadership. And so they, they had, uh, they also resisted the truth, which means anti again, and they, they, they were disapproved. Uh, concerning their faith, I just believe that God wants us to move to a place of grace and mercy. We can't be divided over COVID, over vaccinations. You know, if, so, if someone says that they believe that, you know, people say to me, God told me that I should leave Lighthouse Church and go somewhere else. Well, who am I? I'm not God. You know, God told them, what am I going to say? So if God said take a vaccination, take a vaccination. I'd be very concerned about children uh, because you start uh, looking into the controversy on children. But, uh, you know, people our age are not sure it's a big deal. But there's another thing that's happening, and we're, we're going really against the Constitution of Canada when they're, what they're doing. Um, so I see the devil wants to divide the church. So if he can divide the church... If you go to a church where it's only vaccinated, if you go to a church where it's only unvaccinated, you're already dividing the church, you're dividing the community, and so you're going to invite someone to church if they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. You're going to find out if they're vaccinated or not vaccinated before you bring them to church. Like, that doesn't make sense. We got to have more grace, more compassion. We got to be more concerned about where the people's souls are. We got to find out whether they're afraid. We got to find out whether they're, whether, what their health condition is. We should be praying for them. If we've got a number of people that have had COVID and end up in the hospital, and we've prayed them all through so far. We had a, we, when we were in another town, and I went to speak, and there was a lady on the phone, and she said, one, say hi to me. Uh, she'd been involved in Native Ministries, and so I said hi to her, and she said, pray for my husband. He's, he's in the hospital with COVID. Uh, he's in a coma now. Uh, he's got uh, respiratory issues. He was like 71 years old or something, and uh, he's kind of a roughneck kind of guy. But the, but the truth is, I said, uh, I can pray, but I'm going to wait till I finish. So what I did was I, I stopped at the end of the, a- end of the meeting after speaking a little bit along these lines, and I said, uh, uh, so I want everybody to close their eyes here for a minute. There's only about 30 people there. Close your eyes for a minute, and I want you to get a picture. Uh, the guy's first name was Dave, and uh, get a picture of Dave. And what does God want to do for Dave? 
So, you know, how long does it take anyways? Holy Spirit speaks to you in seconds, right? So I gave about 25 seconds. I said, okay, what did you get? A native kid on the back row, they said, had never spoken the service before. He talks, but he didn't speak in the service before. He pipes up and he says, I see, I see uh, Dave moving. I see him walking. I see him getting out of bed. I see him walking. And then there was about 15 other people that saw something. So it wasn't me. It doesn't have to be the preacher. It doesn't have to be the guy at the front. Come on, we're, we're the body of believers. He wants to equip the saints, right? And, and so then I said, okay, now we're going we're gonna to make the declarations. I said, so let's start. I couldn't remember them all in order, so I said, let's start with the one at the back. I said, uh, uh, let's not say we see because let's say he said it. Let's say I see. So let's say I see Dave walking. I see Dave uh, breathing. I see Dave this one. The next morning, 11 o'clock, he'd already come out of his coma. They were shocked. And in a week, he was home totally normal. See, we've got to equip the saints. We've got to be doing this in Tim Hortons. We've got to do it in, in McDonald's. We've got to do it in Walmart. We've got to be doing it everywhere we go. We've got to be uh, releasing the power of God and the glory of God into, into our community. And people are going to be interested in the power of God that just came on them. And they're going to follow you to church. I'm going to... Uh, uh, I'm going to jump to Revelation 16. And uh, I got this passage of Scripture. I was preparing for a message in uh, March uh, 2020. And uh, on Saturday night, I, I usually take Saturday afternoon, evening till 10 o'clock or midnight or something just to be quiet. And I don't want anybody to talk to me, really. And then uh, I get up Sunday morning at 6 o'clock. Saturday night, somewhere, whether my phone buzzed or something, I opened the phone, and uh, there was a, a news article there about China wanting to go into uh, partner with I, Iran on something. And then the next morning, uh, there was uh, the head of the WHO, World Health Organization, uh, was uh, on a video my phone opened, and this guy's on a video. I don't know. My phone wasn't set up to do all that. It happens a little more now, but it didn't then. And uh, I said, who's this guy from health telling governments across the world to borrow money from the World Bank? This is not making sense to me. Like, who is it? And the Lord said to me, false prophet. I said, oh, I don't have time to look that up. This is Sunday morning, Lord. So sometime in that week, I looked it up. Anybody know who the head of the World Health Organization is? You know what country he's from? No, we haven't done our homework. <clears throat> so I look him up back then, four points down. He's an Eritrean in Ethiopia. He's, got, uh, he's not a, a medical doctor. like He's got a, a doctorate degree, but he's the controversy on him being put into that position and how they, they try to make it sound like it's democratic but it's rigged. But the truth is uh, there was CNN was complaining that he's the first one that's the head of World Health Organization that's not a medical doctor. And then you see right under it that uh, you can still find it go to 2017 and uh, put in WHO uh, director of WHO and you'll see there's controversy about him being uh, accused, not charged, but accused of uh, crimes against humanity. Oh, and he's the head of health? 
and he's telling governments all over the world to borrow from the, uh, uh, from the um, World Bank. I said, this is, doesn't make sense. And so uh, I realized then, the Lord said, it's the first time in history that uh, someone in DeVos, Switzerland, can speak to all the kings of the earth at one time. It's the first time in history that, uh, and the world will know. I don't know that's in this scripture there too, but uh, anyways, uh, verse uh, 14 says in uh, Revelation 16, for the spirit of demons performing signs, they go out to the kings of the earth and the and of, uh, of the whole world, and there's other translations that say to the world, so the whole world I saw it in my office. So this is the first time in history that we're close to something that's end time. Whether it's, revel- whether it's tribulation, whether it's a rapture, but all, all I'm saying here now is that we're in end times, if we're ever in end times, and God will not be mocked. He's not going to be mocked by governments. He's not going to be mocked by, uh, by, the, by the global elite. He's not going to be wa- uh, mocked by uh, COVID. Uh, he's not going to be mocked by vaccinations. He's not going to be mocked by those that are into transhum- uh, tr- uh, you know, transhumans. You ever do any research on transhumans? Well, look at how close we are to that. If, if God judged the angels that had, uh, came from heaven and slept with the daughters of men and created giants. And some, and some this, this is a little bit weird, but uh, some people, you ever see a liger? You know, it's a tiger li- uh, cross. Uh, they're big, right? You know, the big ones, the right crossbreeding. So they're like 2,000 pounds, you know, 10 feet long. So did the demons cross-pollinate uh, the, uh, the animals to get, drag, uh, to get dinosaurs and and we got transhumanism. You think God's going to be mocked over that? God wants a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's not going to have transhumans in it. And so God will not be mocked. If God can take out uh, uh, Sennacherib's army in the middle of the night, he can change the circumstances in our nation. And we've got to find ourselves praying. We've got to find ourselves in, in peace. We've got to find ourselves praying like we've never prayed before. We've got to be singing the songs that, that are coming from heaven like we are singing today. And we've got to be declaring something through our songs and through our prayers. And it's more a declaration that one day this week I was driving into the city and I, I prayed in tongues for half an hour because of a news item. That's what we're doing. We should be doing something with the news items. We should be praying like we've never prayed even when we watch the news, even when we watch negative news we should be praying that the thing will be changed and our nation's going to change and so there's some signs of change but what God is doing he's doing something powerful in this day he's doing something in this church and he wants to do something in this church and the power of God's resting on this house the power of God's resting on this body and he wants to fully activate the call of God that's resting on this place the call of God that was declared uh, when this uh, body of believers was established I know there's been a lot of changes but let's go back and let's fulfill the call of God that's on our lives let's fulfill the call of God that's on this house and let's take it to the community because God's going to use this house to impact this community. Pastor Chris has got, a, got a connections into the city here and so let's uh, take advantage of it. Let's spread the gospel wherever we go because we're already accepted. Uh, William Choi has accepted me, accepted us for what we do uh, with the free store and, uh, and uh, feeding people. We've had AHS there uh, this week looking at trying to make a kitchen that's where we can make sandwiches with at least uh, and so because we 
got favor with that AHS person, um, uh, some favor anyways, uh, and they say that we complied with all the rules, but they're releasing us because they see the heart is to reach people and to touch people uh, that are in need in this time. And so there's such many, so many needs around us, and we have the answer. We have the call of God. We have the answer. We should be able to touch people wherever we go. I can buy hay from somebody. I didn't tell you got horses. Let's not go there. But uh, I can buy hay from someone, and then he says, I like to come to church. See, that's the way it's got to go. We got to move like that. Let's stand. Let's have the musicians back. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's people here today that feel the call of God on their lives. I got to do more than I've done. And God's been stirring in you. He's given you scriptures. He's given you prophetic words, and you have no idea how to take the next step. You're in the right place with the right people. And uh, you need to get bold enough to say what you feel God is saying to be able to get where you have to go. And so when you start, when you start telling somebody, even if you make a joke about it, I think God's calling me into ministry. My brother said to me, what in the world would you have to say to anybody? But that's where it starts. Now he's on side, totally embraces what I've done, where I've been. And uh, people see the change in you. People see the power of God at work in you. They see your passion for the things of God. They see your passion for the Word. They see you pressing in. And so what, I, what I'd like to, anyone that feels the call of God on their life, I just want to, I'll probably touch you. If you're okay with that, I'll touch you. I know it's COVID, but if you're okay, I'll just reach out and touch you. Last Sunday, uh, sitting in the big chairs at the front row, Jennifer set up for the old guys. Gold dust came, <clears throat> came on the chair, came on my coat, got on my face. That's been years since that's happened. So it, it's just a sign, the call of God, just a sign of the anointing. has nothing to do with us. Really, being in the ministry is not such a big deal. It's, we, we got to become more and more humble, more humble, more humble, more humble. We got to go lower. We got to put others more. Everybody, I said to Jennifer the, on Pastor Appreciation Sunday that she has to be, uh, she has to increase. I have to de- decrease. That'll happen in the natural anyways. But that has to be our mindset. We have to have a mindset that others will increase beyond what we can do. We got to see the gift and the call of God that's on their lives and push them forward because, you know, We've had like 13 people that felt the call of God and three or four of them got their own charitable numbers. Some are still working under another ministry and some of them dropped off. But they tried. But if you don't go for the healing that you need to go, you might not get accepted where you want to go. So get the healing that you need. If you've got the call of God resting on your life, come and stand at the front here. So just before we do all that, we're going to release everybody watching online. We just want to say God be with you. God bless you. And we know that he's going to touch you right where you're at. Amen.